the record button has been pressed, so it is time for... Joel's Finding the Flow. Like, real philosophical sort of discussions. You know when people get high? <laughs> it's pure Joel. Don't count your fans before the edge. <laughs> but... We hit a flow in the conversation. Um, I think I'm... Open I mean, your mind head. with... I think I'm gonna hit. Finding the Flow with Joel Franklin. Today's guest is Andrew Heathwaite. <laughs> I bet you've been waiting for this one. Alrighty. Well, um, I am. I have the flow moments in mind. Um, it's been a while since I've done that, and. Um, <clears throat> Uh, it's been a while since I've done that, and I uh, have an idea for this one. It's going to be um, kind of a tribute to the conversation I had with Andrew. Um, I think if you know Andrew long enough, uh, you probably know that he's pretty deep into the um, macrotonal music. And so I am I'm going to try to intuitively kind of step out of... Uh, of normal tuning and i'm gonna try to to go to that some place just kind of flow like by just um playing guitar and bending the strings a whole lot um and i got a pretty cool effect that will hopefully help it emphasize the i don't know the the scale the, the notes i guess I, i'm not really sure you'll, you'll you'll hear it okay so without further ado my attempt at a flow moment doing macrotonal music.
All right, welcome. I hope you enjoyed that. Um, <clears throat> this is actually the second time I'm trying to describe this thing. Um, I want to say it straight off from the beginning because I want uh, to hear your replies about this. Now, um, I think this is a neat idea, and I think that, you know, like like we should um, kind of try to to work on this together. Maybe if you're interested, if you're not interested, tell me, I just, I, I want real, you know, like, like, uh, give me, give me harsh reply on this one because I, I, I think I could go too far in the deep end in this if I don't ask for some sort of other opinion, but just imagine that you had a government that was kind of like communism, maybe, I don't know, but some sort of way that it's like everybody is trying to be as equal footing as everyone else in this world there's there's no one that's born that has more advantage than anyone else i guess and so uh imagine a society like that but not like communism which was i don't know if it, it just didn't work because you needed like it basically was like the government does everything for you like and uh and you all kind of are assigned things and you're kind of given like this unified message, you know, that basically leads to just like one superior leader, you know, and, and, uh, it's just a, it's just a scam to have, you know, someone have ultimate control over the people. And this would be the opposite because there would be no supreme leader like that. We don't need that anymore. What we would have is some sort of society that was based on like um, a purely democratic type of system where everybody had a, a voice and the voice was controlled by some sort of like um, uh, mobile multimedia social type Reddit like kind of um, uh, program. Everyone would have a device. And everyone would have to be kind of, you know, involved in this device. Um, the device would would uh, give you, basically, it would it would be kind of like how Reddit like democratically brings up subjects and the subjects that rise to the top are voted for or whatever. And the same thing with this, like, um, the important things will be voted on, and then everything that's decisions that are made are are based on votes. Um, but uh the way to really make that work is that um um you got to understand the consequences of your vote right so for instance if you make a vote about um you know someone wants a bridge uh to build a bridge and someone wants to build a water park right and you take a vote on it uh like for instance you would you would have to kind of see like you <laughs> Like, like, imagine that you have a a budget in front of you, and then you get to vote on everything that's going to be put on the budget, right? So maybe um, there'll be a lot of things that just you know, kind of everyone has to agree about, you know, and so so everyone will vote, and and you know the the truth will come out because you know enough people will understand that like from this program you'll see okay, 
I the budget has this much money to use, and everything I vote for, a little bit of that money is taken away, right? Okay, so so uh, so you can see that happen, and then then little by little you'll see the effects of the budget, and then the program will be able to tell you, you know, well if you want this, you know, it'll be this much, and and you could you could stay within budget, but if you go over budget, you'll have to say, well, what am I going to do about it? Am I going to make taxes? Am I going to blah blah blah? And uh, and little by little, you'll build the budget of your own, and that'll be your vote, right? Your own version of the budget, and little by and, and then you put everybody's vote together, and you'll find a democratic budget, right? And there could be big subjects, like there could be a lot of things that kind of just just go through, but there might be big subjects that'll be that'll be um, you know a little little too close to call. And uh, they might be up for debate, but that could be a constant swinging debate that that's polled, and all the polls that are taken by the people are what's the decisions that might be made. Um, but but I could just see, just imagine a whole legal system that's based upon this. All right, I can't figure it all out right now, but just imagine a whole legal system that's based off of out of this popular type of um, contribution, like votes, constant, con- continuous, and uh, I think also the other thing is kind of like um, instant, I guess you could say. Um, and so, I don't know. Let me know what you think about that and let me know what you might contribute to it. Hey. <laughs> okay, so um, moving on. Um, <laughs> my my honey's standing right next to me and looking very beautiful. <laughs> Uh, do you want to say anything, Sarah? No? All right, she doesn't want to say anything. But um, <clears throat> uh, we had a, a great day today. I made a whole bunch of pizza dough. Um, and now I'm going to look up my notes uh, for the follow-up. So um, let's start with Chris. Um, he was talking about soundtracks. He uh, was listening to a few and um he he asked, he asked i think um what, what were some of our favorite soundtracks and um i thought his his were, i i he's he said they were weird but i i remember that i can't remember them exactly now but uh I, I remember one of them was garden state that's a really good one but um he had a couple other but either way i um was thinking about soundtracks and uh uh First thing that came to mind, though I can't say if it's, you know, I, I haven't thought enough about it, um, but the first thing that came to mind was uh, um, soundtracks from um, Wes Anderson movies. I always liked those soundtracks. I think they were kind of like the cool music of today, but from like maybe 30, 40 years ago, 60s, 70s, cool music. Um, but but he mixes in cool music of today, too, but, but very rarely. Um, but either way, I, I like... I like um, his his, or well, not necessarily Wes Anderson, but uh, I like the musical taste in his movies, um, and I'm sure he has something to do with that. So, uh, um, season finales. Chris uh, um, was uh, talking about season finales. If uh, you you know you you don't want a season to end, or um, is, yeah, you 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 want to kind of let that wait, and I I think that's kind of cool. It's kind of like the you know, the the delaying of gratification, but um, it's so funny because it it combined with also your like complete like nutty curiosity, and if you've been following a series this long, you just gotta 
you know, especially a really good one. You got to see it. So it's, it's a funny little battle there. I just thought that was funny thinking about that. And then he was talking about James Bond. Oh boy. <laughs> I actually never seen a Roger Moore movie and, and yet I'll still claim that I'm a Sean Connery, James Bond guy, but I have seen like glimpses of, of Roger Moore and I just, I'm turned off just by the stylistic you know like it's obviously gone into the 70s and 80s with roger moore and i just stylistically some of that that movies during those times are so gross looking so i don't even want to i don't but um i'm sure that he's got some good ones though i i haven't seen any and um sean connery definitely has some good ones and so i can't really say but but i i love the debate and i love that uh thing about the you know, um, James Bond, like, like that he, he kind of, <laughs> he kind of forced himself upon a woman. <laughs> I don't know if I remember Sean Connery ever doing something that bad. I think Sean Connery is pretty debonair about it, but, uh, yeah, <laughs> there was always that, uh, what did, uh, Scott said, you know, James Bond is a little rapey and there is a little bit of element of that. It, it's true. Um, and then with, uh, Dan, uh, slipping on that ice. Oh, I, um, it's icy season right now. Um, you know, transition going from, from, uh, kind of relatively warm days to really cold days and it can be dicey. And I've, I don't know how many times I've done, like I've saved myself though. Definitely times I've, I've definitely felt fallen already. I mean, I've, I haven't had just like one fall in the middle of somewhere. I've had a million falls, um, cause I'm just out there all the time doing the farm work and you're doing all this awkward stuff. Uh, and, and there's, there's, there's dicey situations all over. And, um, so yeah, there has been many a time my groin has been pulled this season and, uh, it is no fun. Um, and then also, uh, you were talking about getting, getting onto the, the board, I think it was the library board. And, uh, I thought that was kind of interesting. I, 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 there's part of me that kind of feels like there, there's like two sides to it. One side kind of feels like it's like, uh, you know, kind of a calling, uh, like a, a very special thing, like, like, um, you know, it's very good for your local community. It's a, it's a, it's a very respectful thing, like for your local community that they, they like thought that you'd be good for this. They, that that's the kind of impact you have on the local community. And, uh, and you feel, you know, that, that could be definitely, hmm, like I could also see it as also a kind of like, well, you can get caught up in obligations like that. And they could also be super stressful because like half the time you just like, I don't want to be doing this work. And like, but yet I feel like totally obligated because, you know, it's related to people I see every day. And, uh, and so you got that pressure. I, I don't know. Um, like, like you might be on a lot of people's gossip maybe. And, and also, uh, that, but then maybe not. I don't know how important people. Really, I mean, I don't know if I were in a town. I don't know how. But but there's 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 a good amount of people in a decent town that are into the local politics. But either way, um, you might like it, Dan, and it might be you know your step up to being president one day. And so I I don't know what to say, but 
uh, I'd be interested to hear whatever decision you make. Um, I was listening to This American Life this week, and it was um, it was it was a tough one to listen to because it was uh, it was about attachment. I think it was called unconditional love, and uh, man, that really um, took me. Uh, I. I I it had like a few situations. I mean, because I think um, sometimes, like sometimes you need a little bit of perspective and see how some lives can be, and uh, and you know, I might have my problems, but I'm I'm still kind of you know like I'm an American. I'm white. Uh, I mean, you know, that's kind of, and I'm a man. You know, all these things combined, I, I can't say that I I have it that bad compared to some situations in the world. And um, so, for instance, uh, they were going on about this uh, orphan from Romania and uh, being raised in a Romanian orphanage and then and then how he he had no proper attachment. Um, and it referenced that... Uh, monkey that famous um Hen- harry Har- harlow or something harlow i think it was a double h name and he had done an experiment with the wire monkey and the and the soft monkey or the soft mother and the wire mother for the little baby monkey and the monkey and the the wire mother was had the the milk and the the soft one d- didn't and the monkey spent almost all the time with the soft monkey it only went to the soft mother um, it only went to the wire mother when it was, when it was, uh, hungry. And so, so it just showed how important it is for us to have attachment to our, our mothers to maybe it's even to like, uh, to a sense of community or society or who we are identity. I don't know, but it sure is the attachment from, from uh child to mother is huge. And so, or child to parent, I mean, I, I can't be biased on a mother, but it's almost always a mother. And um, uh, it's so huge, and, and and this kid didn't really have that. And he was maybe eight or nine when he got adopted, and he was just crazy. You know, his, his perspective on the world, his isolation he felt. And just imagine kind of starting life that way. And if you ever, if you listen to it, it'll go through the details of how he finally got out of it. But it was like five years of him figuring it out. And just, he had like, uh, like, you know, uh, uh, orphan parents from heaven. Uh, they, they stuck with him for years where he was just a menace. And, um, and I just, uh, it, it's, um, it kind of makes me feel happy that I am able to provide such a nice life for my kids. But I also think, you know, it's just good to be aware that that's out there, you know? Um, and I, I wrote a note here that said attachment. I, I kind of remember that in farm work and parenthood. I can't really remember exactly what I was thinking there with, at least with the farm work part. So parenthood. Yeah. You know, um, uh, Okay. On SoundCloud, have any of you noticed that um, it is uh, like 
or I don't know, have you, have you gotten this where, where you're on SoundCloud and you'll get likes from random people? And obviously what I'm doing on SoundCloud, I'm not exactly expecting some sort of random person to stumble upon it. I mean, maybe in some wild reason, like a person just uh, wasn't looking and they accidentally pressed mine. Uh, maybe they might uh, want to listen to an hour-long recording from someone that they don't know, but I doubt it. And... Uh, so, so I don't know. It's just kind of annoying because I'll get I'll, every once in a while I'll get likes from from some like that, and I think it's just like a scheme that they're doing. Because I mean, I don't think it's bots, but I think it's maybe someone trying to get you to listen to their stuff. It's kind of a shitty little trick there, and I I don't know. Maybe I should try that on someone else. Just I should just go to random you know people and and do that. But I've been noticing that I've been getting more of them lately. And I don't know what that's about, but, you know, let me know what you think about that. I call it SoundCloud bots, but they're probably not bots. It's just a, a, a trick people do. And I've gotten it from the same person multiple times. They probably got some program that can, like, send that out all over. And, then, and they'll put make, like, a little comment, like, oh, that sounds great, or something like that, you know. And you know that it's just some, some uh, generic comment. I don't know. Okay, uh... Oh, Scott. Did I did I I did, I guess I didn't get to Scott. Um Scott, uh your your beginning to your podcast was awesome. Uh and I I don't think it was just because uh a lot of my music or my voice was featured there, but uh I still I just was like I don't know, it was just really fun to 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 and and also kind of um it's it's fun to hear yourself mess with, but also just to hear hear uh, you know what you can do with it and makes it sound so original. And it's like, yeah, like, I think uh, Chris is saying it's like a like an acid trip or something like that. And I, I thought that was funny because it is kind of you you I like what you do. It's it's um, remnant of some things that I've heard in the '60s and '70s, um, but I like it experimental. And I love your, you know, computer voice stuff. You know, it's all it's all very fun. And I just wanted you to know that's how, that's the feeling I get when I listen to it. I get like, I get this kind of like, um, spacey feeling, and uh, I don't know, just I love it. I, I I don't know how, but like a trippy feeling. It's hard to explain, but but that like it's it's like as if you kind of getting something but you don't really understand what it is but you're just you just kind of are you know it's it's like a i don't know it's hard to explain but uh it's hard to explain the sort of high feeling you get from from listening to something like that um it's kind of similar like what makes music pretty and what makes that trippy you know uh and you know, just uh, I don't know. It, it's it's pretty cool, but it, but I guess that's the effect. It's, it gives me a real trippy effect, but it but and and like a real like whoa, you know, I like this stuff. Um, and then also being alone in the holidays. Um, my my wife every once in a while will go on a trip home, and I think it's great. I mean, she gets a lot of help from her parents. She gets to see her parents for a while. It's like a break, you know. I get a little extra time, but I but. It's it's so quick that that loneliness. I mean, my house is filled to the gills with life when my wife and kids are here, and when they're not, it is it is hard to get used to. 
Um, I think what usually happens with me is like, I'll have like three days of like doing everything that I'm not supposed to do. And I just like binge. And then all of a sudden, maybe after three or four days, I, uh, I'm, I'm out. I, uh, I, and I'm just, I'm just, you know, lonely <laughs> and I'm all of a sudden I'm, I'm resetting that the, the fun is gone and I'm, and when, and when you got no support, it's that much that much harder and uh and so like i say i i um you know there's sometimes where i i i would love to just have a, a a time alone a break you know but um i also know what it's like to be alone and especially alone during the holidays and so um you know just uh like you know reach out anytime you want and I think uh, you got us guys out here, and uh, so I'm, I think I'll be working on Christmas. I won't be working on Christmas Eve, but I'll be working on Christmas, and uh, and I think that means I'll be working on New Year's, or I don't know. But 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 um, but either way, I'm just saying. And and my wife is going to be going pretty soon. But anyway, just know there's always uh, someone out there, and um, and. Uh, Scott, you're too awesome to be feeling lonely during the holidays or whatever. So, you know, uh, send a text, give a ring, enjoy some holiday cheer anywhere you can. All right. Um, I guess. Oh, and uh, your, your gifts to your family sounds fun. All right. The Andrew interview. That was great. Um, I, I loved, uh, I loved just being able to kind of, in a way it was like starting over with, with Andrew. Like it's been so long since I've really talked to him and I wanted to know what happened because I mean, Andrew is a, is a lovely man. He's, um, he's, he's like a force of nature in a way. And, uh, and he's, he's always kind of like that, um, unabashed, like, like soldier for, of, of the different, you know, the, thinking outside the box trying to to catch touch base and realize that there there's a different way of thinking out there there's a there there's always an alternative there's always something something interesting out there that that's intellectually um expanding and um and I always I I like that I like that kind of you know and and so so it manifests itself kind of in in Andrew it manifests itself in a very um uh, a fun way, I guess you could say, you know, it's, uh, like, like he is different inside and out, uh, but also very much just like one of us. And, uh, that's, that's what I love so much about Andrew. And so it was fun to catch up and, um, hear about what his adventures and coming and goings of, uh, of kind of finding himself out in the Midwest in good old Chicago. So I hope you enjoy this interview. Um, I am going to to play a few tidbits of of some of our music, and I'm going to post them on SoundCloud the full version. Uh, but um, uh, um, Andrew and I had had done some collaborations together uh, back. You know, I I um, like I was kind of saying with you guys, I've kind of only knew you guys for one year over in Potsdam, maybe maybe a year and a half, maybe two kind of but um it wasn't long enough 
And uh, so I I really had some fun with Andrew, but it was a very short amount of time. And we had done some collaborations, and so I wanted to just play a few tidbits there. So enjoy that and enjoy the interview with Andrew. This one's called Penelope. <laughs> um, I wrote half the song, and uh, Andrew wrote the other half, and then we combined our music together, and it's all one take. I like that it was one take. Um, so this is like basically a live performance. Here comes Andrew's half. something interesting and so we were experimenting with just complete it reminds me of like free jazz like just complete freedom of of any any sort of thing and we just play off each other there's no center of of music and and then we we, we have this little questionnaire it's funny So there's there's sort of uh, the idea, um, and uh, if if you're interested in listening to the whole thing, I also tell you there's a little clue in the the um, the song, and uh, see if you can figure out what it is. Uh, but um, you don't have to take too much time; you can just ask me because it is probably too hard to figure out. <laughs> okay, uh, so let me um, also go on to another one. So that one was called Penelope. And then the other one that I wanted you to listen to, uh, or not necessarily listen to, you know, listen to if you want, if you're interested. 
but uh uh Andrew and I collaborated we we made like a um some of his his uh attempt like like we delved towards um some of that um free improvisation um sessions and we also uh did one where we had uh, a keyboard doing microtonal um, uh, sounds. And so uh, the the microtonal, I think the keyboard is in the second piece, and that one has um, me playing that. And then, then the first one, I think it's mandolin and guitar. Uh, and it's funny the names we gave them. The one is called Action Dream, I believe. <laughs> I love it. I love I love the creativity, um, the explosion of of kind of. Mm, I, don't, I don't know. It's hard to describe, and I tried to describe it a little bit with the interview with with Andrew, and I I don't know if I could. It, it it's just it's it's freedom and kind of in a playful way. I'm not sure if that really helps or freedom to point like of like crazy type of freedom, you know, like um going, you know, beyond, out of the box, and then going out of that box, you know. so hard for me to to know how this comes off on people i think i'm complete and being completely self-indulgent here <laughs> the other one's called hollow bucket
think the thing that I like about these is that it like it challenges you to um challenges you to be able to let go of all structure that we are used to in music. Structure of time, structure of tone, structure of harmony, structure of sequence, and and then just, you know, making music without it. And it's 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 interesting. I mean, is it music? I don't know. But um just taking it from that perspective and trying to listen to it for a while, like just trying to open your mind, like where can I find the music in this, I guess. And uh I I like it. I like um it's fun to play and and if I'm in the right mood, it's fun to listen to. Um all right, so without further ado, here's the interview with Andrew. Andrew. Oh. Wow. It has been probably literally like over three or four years since we've talked. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, uh, how's it been going? I, um, I, I've i been meaning to try to, you know, every time I, I catch up with things on, on Facebook, seeing things you've been doing, I've been wanting to ask a million questions, but it's just... I kind of troll around Facebook. I don't really spend much time doing out much because I never really have much time. I just kind of hit and go. So, yeah. so I see that you have a kid. Um, you you have a wife. I, I'm guessing. <laughs> <laughs> Fact, true. Yes. Yes. I do. And a, a little boy. So, so um, how old holds your son now? He turned two like a month ago. Two a month ago, yeah. So um, I, I Sophia is two in like seven months. So like, yeah, we have pretty similar age children. Cool, and you have an older one, right? Yeah. Well, Sophia's the older one, and then I have Ada, who is um, who is like seven months old now. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, uh, for some reason, I thought you had another. Two two is our total. Okay. Cool. Two girls for me. There you go. Well, see, I'm not. Uh... I'm not a very good Facebook stalker either. Yeah. I don't know. I'm... Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, I, I'm the type that just kind of, you know, my life just happens and, and, you know, whoever's in my direct life, you know, like I was talking to Mike Winkler about the same thing. Like it's, it just, huh? you know, it just happens and you can just catch up after a long time. Um, it's, I think half of it's kind of a guy thing, you know, you don't need to be talking every day to be just like right back into it. Yeah, I mean, life happens, and you're just surrounded with different people, and and you know, you're changing. Yeah, when, and and when, so so I mean, I would like to hear kind of like a culmination, like of of like how what happened to your life since you moved out to to Chicago and so on. Wow! All right, big question. See, I thought you'd be like, "What's new?" And I'd be like, "I almost finished the laundry today, but not quite." <laughs> um, you want the whole scoop, huh? Yeah. <laughs> I do. I want to know. That's cool. Um, well, yeah. Uh, <laughs> see, I could tell you all about the laundry, but... Um, yeah, so I think the last time I saw you in person was um, as I was moving out of the state. Um, <clears throat> yeah, you were um, you were with uh, Dan and Scott over at Chris's. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, in, in Buffalo, or around Buffalo. Around Hamburg. Buffalo. Yeah, Earth. Hamburg. Uh, the cool. bur- the like, burg of ham. It's like I haven't thought of Hamburg, New York, as being a place that exists until <laughs> yeah, you know, just a sp- so. a spot near Buffalo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember, you know, it's coming back. Anyway, yeah, yeah there, there we were, um, 
and I was uh, on my way to town. I had a car full of crap, and I was meeting a friend from uh, who was coming from Troy, New York, where I was from, and we were going out together with a couple of cars to live, and then we did. What was the goal? Um, well, I had you know a girlfriend out there, um, Tiffany at the time, and uh, we had we had been together since college, but there had been like a year where she moved out before me, and so it was like, well, okay, maybe I'll move and be with you in Chicago. I remember and, her. I remember her. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. She, she, what did she play? Bassoon. Bassoon. That's right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. not not to say, but she was like the perfect like like characteristic bassoon player. <laughs> but not not the perfect characteristic Tiffany. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, um, she had moved out. She was actually going to DePaul University, um, in which is in Chicago, and it's a good school for performance and stuff. But she was working on a performance master's, and I didn't have any ambitions as, as far as anything other than man, I want to get somewhere else, and I've got this relationship that I care about. Um, so I was I was just going out there to, to change it up and okay. to You know, part, part of me felt like, you know, Chicago is, uh, I mean, it's like number three for big hot spots. You know, there's L.A., New York, and then Chicago. Like, I figured maybe you were trying to hit up some of that, um, some, the nice, uh, you know, uh, live music scene probably they got there. Yeah, well, I, that wasn't a big thought of mine. Yeah, um, I catched some some good concerts when I was there, yeah. here and there. But um, yeah, you know, I was kind of interested in being in a bigger place. But it, after a couple of years there, even bigger than Chicago, huh? Well, no, I mean bigger than than I'd been before. So Chicago is oh, bigger. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, so bigger than where you were. Yeah. Yeah, and now that I'm in Illinois, people think that I must um I must be from New York City when I say I'm from New York, so I always say I'm from New York State. Yeah, but yeah, oh, yeah. Is, I know what that's like. Yeah, yeah. I guess we all we all do. Yeah, um, and I don't want to say upstate New York either because that that feels like a like it doesn't really do us justice either. Right. Yeah. It's like ninety nine point nine percent of the state is upstate New York. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. But half the population, only half the population. Right. Um, okay, cool. So, so, um, maybe just, uh, like, so a little bit of what happened. Yeah, well, let's see. I, you know, I worked a few jobs. At first I had some savings uh-huh. and, uh, I was working to be a substitute teacher and, you know, how that goes, you have to, um, get certified and jump through all the, the proper hoops. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. The door. And eventually I did get in the door and, uh, you know, that was when I, it took a while, and that was when I sort of felt for the first time what it was like to be broke, having been pretty sheltered as far as that goes up till then. Yeah, life has a way of doing that. You know, the, the, that's uh, that's kind of the kick in the ass, especially having kids. I mean, that's that, that even more so, because not only are you broke, now you're broke, and you got someone that's like, um, you know, you got to take care of me. Yeah, you can't just say, I won't eat. Like well, I, I maybe I won't eat, but I got to feed this guy. Yeah, exactly. You can't you can't just be responsible for yourself. Right. Okay. So yeah. You, so you went broke. Do you feel I'm, like? Did you feel like? Did broke feel like bottom to you, or did you just like? I mean, was it was it tough? Uh, I mean, it was kind of tough. I, I you know I'm not gonna 
explain much. I definitely know, understand now the kind of privilege that I'm still coming from and that I was then, that I was able to be like, hey, mom, I can't afford to, to, to ride the bus anymore. Can you help me out? And <laughs> yeah, help. yeah, you know? exactly. Um, so I can't relate to uh, to not having that, that kind of privilege. But it was kind of an eye-opener, and it was like, okay, working is important, I guess. Um, anyway, I was so I was a substitute teacher for a bit um, in the inner city Chicago schools. Did you like it? Very bad one. And uh, I, I sometimes liked it. You know, it was a struggle, and some days were easier than others. Um, and, you know, there were days where I felt like I really did a good thing in terms of, like, these kids had good experiences while I was there. And, you know, no one got beat up, whatever else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I um, I, I substitute taught, too. And I, I, for the most part, enjoyed it. I, I mean, I think ultimately my goal was to become a full-time teacher. So, I mean, as far as that goes, like, it's a, it's a big-time, like, way of just getting your foot in the door. Right. And uh, also, like, um, it's really not that bad. I mean, half the time you're just kind of, you know – you're babysitting more else than anything you and you're just reading their directions and in some ways i mean when i when i did music classes i actually did the the real lesson but but any other time i would usually just it was all set up for me and 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 then they had long breaks during the day and i was just like this is pretty good uh-huh that sounds nice i'd like to <laughs> I like to try out your uh, your school district. Yeah, I had I had four districts I was doing in the Buffalo area, and th- yeah, they were all like suburban, you know, up upper class. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was in these these um, inner city schools where it's like the kids are used to being yelled at all day, um, and they're being I, yeah. treated like. Keep going. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Just that that uh, you know they they expect a person of authority to be a jerk. Uh, mm-hmm. that's kind of like it's all been known and um and I didn't want to be a jerk you know I kind of learned how to how to be stern and like actually mean what I say and, and so on but in general I just didn't like having to be in that role yes and sometimes I heard it and uh, you know I think that some days are better than others but I 100% agree oh. I, I that was my teaching uh, experience that's why I'm not teaching anymore I'm actually farming now but yeah, I wasn't ready. You know, I was like 23 or something and going out there and substitute teaching like, or not substitute, but, but teaching. And I was teaching like middle schoolers. I felt more relation to the middle schoolers than I did to the teachers, you know? Yeah. I wasn't an adult like them. You know, I wasn't like, I didn't feel disconnected from them. I didn't feel mature enough to like push this thing where I had to kind of act act the role, you know? Yeah. I mean, my, my kind of feeling about it nowadays is that I probably would still have more of a uh, camaraderie with the students than the teachers because I'm not interested in that kind of authoritarian relationship. Yeah. I think it's a bad idea, and it's a real shame that so many people are stuck in school for so much of their life. Now, I actually, I've heard... Want in a school at this point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, it's it's true. I mean, I, I mean, a lot of people. It's it's just a it's just professional, you know. That like a lot of people don't even think twice about it. It's just how it's always been. But um, and there's so many things like that, you know. There's so many things in the world. But uh, um, so Chicago. I've heard that it's a very segregated uh, city. So were you in inner city of like, you know, South Chicago, or were you in more of a, you know what I mean? 
Oh, yeah, well, I guess it is, some parts of it are pretty darn segregated in the north and south. And I was kind of in the middle, I mean, on the north, but, yeah. um, and the west is kind of more minorities, I guess. So a lot of the schools were largely black. There was at least one that I went to that, I guess just one that was bilingual, um, with a lot of Spanish speakers. Oh, and, wow. You know, I didn't stand a chance of, uh, of doing the other half. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, there were definitely poorer neighborhoods that I was in. I'm sure my experience would have been different if, um, if I were in a different dis- like part of the city. It was kind of a wide range of places that I'd wind up going to, but. Yeah. Okay. So, so how long did you do that before you, you called it quits? Oh, uh, geez. I don't know. I don't know how long I was. I, d- I don't really remember durations very well. <laughs> as long as it took. I yeah, did it, did it? Maybe I should put it like like it felt like a year, more than a year, less than a year. I would say less than a year, but yep. a number of months. Yeah, yeah, like a good, good probably six or more months, right? We could call it that. <laughs> um, it, uh, toward the end of it, which you know at the time I didn't think was toward the end, but um, I was in one school continuously for a month um, while there was a teacher who had a broken leg, mm. and they wanted. And come back, and um, this was an inner city special education school um, for behavioral disorders, whatever those are. Okay. Um, yeah. So it was a variety of students who've been labeled, you know, problem students, yeah. problem people, you know, whatever way that, that the labeling works. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And and some things about the school were kind of cool. Um, uh, but, you know, there's a tight security, which in, in a way it was kind of nice that, you know, there's always um, a lot of aides around as a, you know, as a teacher coming in and students who want to take advantage of, if they can. Um, I was never alone with the students, really. There was always the aide. Okay. So so you probably didn't have a, you know, uh, a, how would you call it, a, a normal type class. You probably, what was what was it like? Was it? What type of role were you playing? What were you teaching? Well, this is a strange class. It was kind of like all of all of the leftover students, um, and I think I was something like five students and a wide range of ages within the class. Mm-hmm. Some students who talk a lot and one who hardly spoke, and um, and they're all doing completely different work. So it's basically like sit in your chair and do work for a while. Yeah, you were like in a one room schoolhouse. Um. Meaning, like you yeah. know, like like in a one room schoolhouse, they had grades like K through twelve or K through eight. I mean, in in the case that you know I know of, and uh, they all the kids would did their own work, and then you just kind of walked around and and were like a tutor to everyone. I see what you're saying. Yeah, I guess it's, it was kind of like that. Because like yeah. everyone's doing their own thing, but no one's really doing the same. Thing. I mean, obviously, it's not kids with with uh, you know uh, uh, develop or what behavioral issues but um still it kind of kind of reminded me of that yeah yeah it was it was a um a range i don't know how much the other classes were considered to be certain grades or not yeah um, that's true but. especially with that so um did, i mean it sounds like you you liked that um yeah i i did in a way i was really developing a relationship with the kids who were there yeah i can um, imagine and I think it's the kind of thing where they're used to everyone telling them that they suck and yeah. that they're not good enough. And if there's someone who's just like, yeah, let's get through the day, let's have a good time, 
Mm-hmm. You know, let's uh, let's do the work we got to do, um, and we're cool. You know, I think just to have that attitude was probably uh, good for them. I don't know. It was good for me just to be able to establish that. Yeah, yeah, totally. So, so was that near the end? Um, so it was a month, you said. Yeah, and then the teacher came back, and um, I sort of went back to being sent where, wherever they need me. Um, mm-hmm. And I kind of before I got that one classroom, it was like being sent to different places um, within the school. But after that, it was like I wouldn't necessarily even go to that school. I'd go to some other school I'd never been to. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, yep. Going from that back into like, okay, here's a really difficult school with students who are used to um, being yelled at all day and have free reign of things, and the teachers might be out because, oh my God, why am I doing this life? Kind of thing. I don't know. Yeah. So, um, all right. So, what what happened after the substitute teaching portion? Right. Yeah. Well, I quit one day. I was just like, no, I'm not going to go. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, yeah. You got that call at five in the morning. And then you're just like, nope, not this time. <laughs> yeah. Did, well, did you get I, calls at 5 in the morning? Something like that, yeah. And, you know, I was driving. I think I was actually on my way to the school, and then I was like, no, I'm not going to support the system anymore. We need a sub for the sub. What's that? We need a substitute for the substitute. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think they ever had enough subs in the system. Yeah. Anyway. But. Yeah, okay. Yeah, totally. So you quit. So, so what is... You, um, what happened? Well, you know, I had a bit of savings again and was trying to find a job before it ran out. And um, yep. eventually what I was doing is canvassing for Greenpeace. Okay. Uh, so this is um, a kind of a big city thing, I guess, where you get a bunch of people in, uh, you know, with their polo shirts and Greenpeace standing on the corner and trying to get people to talk to them about saving the planet. Okay. Uh, so you got gets... paid for this? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I, 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 I mean, I don't know. I mean, did, so let me know. What, how, did, how did that go? It was uh, fun a lot of the time. Uh-huh. I mean, what, it's kind of like, I mean, you're a salesperson. What, what we're trying to do is get people to agree to do a monthly donations uh. and to do it through their um, credit card or bank account and for them to give you their numbers right there on the street uh, so that you can sign them up as a member, and then the donations will just come out of their paycheck or out of their bank account. Yeah, yep. I mean, I, I know, yeah. like, um, NPR kind of, public radio is starting to do that kind of the monthly payment. It seems to be, um, I don't know, a good way in because monthly payments aren't as big. You know, you can say, well, five bucks a month, you know, that's as good as doing a a $60 donation for a year, you know? So right. five bucks a month don't sound too bad. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't. And um, I think there was the, the minimum was higher than that. Maybe it was 10 and maybe it changed to 15 after yeah. that. I mean, whatever, but it doesn't, it doesn't sound terrible. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And um, you, in this particular case, the job didn't involve taking any one time. So people would be like, hey, I'll, you know, I'll give you 50 bucks now. And be like, no, <laughs> I not accept it. Okay. okay. And uh, but you're a salesperson, and you're trained to um, to you know have a pitch, to have a way that you you describe the situation to someone to get them, you know, interested and concerned, 
and feel like, you know, that, yes, this is important to me. Of course it is. I can, I can imagine, I mean, sales, I don't know about you, but I mean, that, I mean, I'm sure that that could wear, wear on you a little bit. I mean, that can feel a little fake, right? Oh yeah. I mean, it was, it's acting. Yeah. And I took that perspective. It was like, oh, it'll be really fun to work on this part of my personality. Okay. Is what I'm at the time. Like, it's, you know, it's so out of character for that, so. Yeah. Um, so, so did you last long with that? Again, I don't remember the duration, but I left. <laughs> yeah. And um, but um, so, I mean, that must have been a good kind of community thing. Like, uh, unless there wasn't, did you work with a team or or a group of people? Because I mean, you must have found some friends during that, right? Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I didn't. I had no way of making friends uh, as a student, as a substitute teacher. You know, sitting in the break room or something. Yeah, exactly. I really made friends in Chicago until that point. And then it was like, all right, come to our Friday night parties every week and, uh, you know, yeah. I'll be. And, um, and yeah, you, you have a And you probably find about, some like minded types. Yeah, I was having, you know, more interesting conversations than I'd had uh, uh, in a long time, I guess, at that point. Um, it was great to meet people who were like, yes, society is effed up. Yes, <laughs> do things. Uh huh. Um, Yep. You know, we normal consumerist life is shit. Uh, you know, to have people who are like, "Yes, we all agree with this. Go forward from there." You know, it's like, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, something to that to bond with. You know, that we all agree this is a problem. Now let's be friends. Yeah. Or, or let's, yeah, I mean, I've kind of let's gotten picky about who I even want to confide with. I think since that, just like, yeah. I don't know, the political consciousness that was developing at the time. Um, so that, I mean, I, I think I quit when I was um, going under quota a little bit. And I kind of did some math, because it's like, the way it works is, if you don't make quota for one week, you're on warning. Mm-hmm. If you don't make quota for the next week, you they may let you go. Um, and so, you know, working there for a little while, you, people come and go a little bit. And sometimes they come and go because they didn't and they seem interesting about it. And at first I was like doing super and, you know, getting bonuses and, um, you know, you, you'll get into a slump after a while, just inevitable. And if your slump lasts for two weeks, then that's that, you know, yeah. um, if you go on warning and then you don't make quota the next week, I think they can still, if they want, they can be like, okay, we'll give you one more week or whatever. Yep. But, yep. Yep. Um, that's a lot of pressure, obviously. Like, you know, it's like, so, so I mean, could you give us an example of what a quota would be? Oh, I don't remember anymore. But like, Again, it's like let's memory. say, like, um, you, you know, you made one sale with one person is like the minimum of what fifteen bucks a month. Um, so, so technically, that's like, oh, something, something like uh, hundred fifty bucks a year or something like that. So, so, um, uh, what was I going to say? So, so like. <sighs> How many people did you think you had to get done in a week? Like, could you just a- estimate? Um, well, it was a total. I mean, I think throw out a number like fifty or something like that in terms of um, the amount of money that is going to be monthly donated. So okay, fifty as a total. Yeah, I don't know. So if, if one good. person does fifty, then you're good for your week. Right. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh, but if like so five, that, five uh, people do ten or whatever, so um, so like yeah, I mean, it sounds like they're ma- they're making out pretty good with your your con- contribution. Was was the money pretty good? 
It was pretty good, yeah. yeah. And there were vacation days that I uh, regrettably never took. I think they only I only started getting them toward the end, but I think I should have taken some days before quitting. <laughs> yeah, I, I know what you mean. <laughs> um, but we all have regrets. Okay, so so now maybe you've formed a little bit of community, but now you're on to another job. Oh, yeah. So this is, um, yeah, the thing I did after that was another kind of job that only really exists in big cities, and that was a professional dog walker. What walker? Dog walker. Oh. Dog yeah. This was, <laughs> you're, I would, I would, you're, really, you're really experimenting, weren't you? Oh, yeah. You know, it was like, I'm That's not cool. Gonna, so what am I going to do? Yeah. Um, yeah, and this is a cool job. Um, yeah, there are a lot of companies in Chicago, or at least there were at the time. That yeah, I can imagine. Have dog walking service, you know, and and so now we're talking about the you know the yuppies who work all day and <laughs> yep. uh, decide they need to have a dog rather than a kid. Um, yep. Which is not a bad idea, but uh, then you know they need someone to take them out in the middle of the day. And yeah, so so, so um. Uh, I, I well, I, I guess yeah. Keep going. I, I wanted to ask how how many dogs have you walked at the same time? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're with the quantities here. Uh, sure. Well, let's see. There I, were, I, I there love were several. It. You love it. I'm a <laughs> numbers thought, person, man. See, you should ask me then. Yeah. What That's I should cool. ask you what? Uh, then back then I could have told you about all. I could have told you all their names. Maybe I could try to remember the names if you count them up. But yeah, you know, I would. I would say maybe ten, ten to fifteen, maybe a day. Now, but but how many did you know? How many did like at one time? I could just imagine you with like five dogs. Oh, walking. I see. Okay, yeah. right. That yeah. I can say. Yeah, yeah. There is the picture of the dog walker as five dogs. Yeah, um, exactly. Um, I ever walked as three. Three. Okay. There was only one trio that I did. Sometimes <laughs> was it? Sometimes the, it wasn't the same owner. No, there are three different owners. Three different um, owners. <laughs> you know, you have to have owners who don't mind and have really sociable dogs. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's like. You know, they try to cram them in and make a schedule that kind of makes some sense. So you have a route to go on, and you have the certain times during the day when you need these windows, you know. Uh-huh, this dog uh-huh. needs to walk between three and five, and this other dog needs to be walked between three and five. Uh-huh. They both get a half-hour walk. Uh-huh. So um, you can walk them together if you can get them together, and if they don't mind each other. Yeah. So part of it was getting dogs together who didn't live near each other. So I drove the car around, and it would be like, okay, bring this dog into the car, drive to the house. Um and bring another dog into the car. <laughs> yeah, the and then go and walk them. <laughs> That's funny. Walk them all and then, and then bring them all back in the same order. In the car. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. So there's actually quite a bit of driving because the route wasn't in just one place. Yeah, I can imagine that. And it's this kind of funny inefficiency that happened um, because there's all these different dog walking companies that are competing, and they're spread out all over the place. So there might be like an apartment building with just tons of dogs in it, and more multiple dog walkers from different companies who visit that building. Yeah. Throughout the day. Yeah, it's like like intersecting um uh areas. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um so uh I have to ask you like did you have any I mean dogs for the most part dogs can be predictable but but sometimes they're you know problems happen. I mean did you did you have any real big ones? Matter of fact, yeah, on the first day. <laughs> There was a bulldog. A bulldog, ooh. And I don't remember his name, but he was a foster dog. See, you're gonna... you're you're about the names, and I'm about the numbers. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't remember his names, but there was one. Oh, there were two two bulldogs, but there was one who was the regular one that they walk all the time, uh-huh. and there was the foster dog yeah. that this family is fostering. 
and the foster dog uh, was kind of territorial, a little oh grumpy, boy. Oh boy. and, you know, not used to me. Uh-huh. And uh, let's see, we went back in the house, and I was opening up the gate, so it's like a baby gate or whatever to separate different rooms. Uh-huh. And so I'm down there, crouched on the floor, you know, bend over or whatever, trying to open this, this gate, and... You know, they all open different ways. It's not obvious, you know. Yeah, yeah, they baby it, gates are Babies and toddlers can't do it very easily, so that means that adults can't <laughs> Yep. Practice. Um, and there I am fumbling with it, and he comes up and bites me right in the hand. Oh, my God. Like, hard, like, bites oh, me. Oh, fuck. Um, yeah, and so, you know, I lurch back and pull my hand up, and he's kind of still attached to the hand. Oh. I yank it up. You know, there's blood, and I run to the sink, and thankfully, um, the, this was, you know, if it wasn't the first day, if it was a later day, it would have been just me and this crazy dog. As it happened, it was me and my boss, the owner of the company, yeah. who somehow, while I was, like, rinsing my hand off in the sink, um, he was he somehow got the dog in the other room without getting bit, closed the door, and that was that. Wow. But, yeah, I've got this bite. So we went to the hospital. Jeez. And, uh... Yeah, and so the company paid for it. They didn't have nothing like that had ever happened to them. I think they were in business for eighteen years or something. No yeah, they, they must do vetting or something. I mean, was that like a like an impromptu situation that they had the the experienced dog, but then they had the foster dog? Yeah. I mean, I wonder. Yeah, I mean, it's, go ahead. It's just kind of an unusual situation, and you know, I I bet they're more careful now. Yeah. I know for one thing, they have I have I don't know if they have medical insurance for the people and uh-huh, uh-huh. they, they must have some way to, to take care of that if it happens because it was they paid for hospital bills out of pocket mm-hmm. um, which thank you <laughs> yeah um, what do you call it it's probably some sort of workers comp yeah yeah maybe they have that now or something but yeah. I, I imagine that they're more careful as far as like okay that can happen we want to make sure <laughs> yeah um, thank, thank goodness Andrew was there to get bit so did you get right. stitches or something yeah, I got a bunch of stitches, and I have a permanent scar, and, and uh, you know, just enough nerve damage that it feels funny to, to touch it. Doesn't oh, feel like man. Right. I, I, got, I, I got bit once, but yeah. my, my my brother's a big, um, he, he his white, or his girlfriend um, raises uh, Great Pyrenees, those huge white dogs, and uh-huh. yeah, I had a, had a territorial situation. And, um, I probably wouldn't have had any problem, but I, I mean, but I mean, obviously it's scary. I mean, when they start like f- going at each other, you know, and especially big 160 pound dogs, you know, and, uh, and so I go to like, I guess you're, we were supposed to grab him by the tail and just get something in between them. But I grabbed the one by the scruff of its back thinking that that would like incapacitate it. And, oh. and it just turned its head and just grabbed my hand, just bit it and held onto it. Boy. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I still have a scar from it, but I, I at least, I, you know, I can feel it. But I know what you're talking about. I've had other injuries where, like, there's still, like, a little bit of, like, numbness mm-hmm. in some places. And I'm sure that's what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, it's <laughs> did it pretty... Did it affect your playing at all, your music playing? I mean, it made it so I couldn't for a while, but nowadays it's, um... I mean, yeah, I, I avoided having any kind of serious damage that would have affected my. So, so I mean, that must have been a bad omen to begin. How long did you do that job? Uh, you know, again, I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> you Le- know, in total, I stayed in Chicago for two years. Okay, so and those three jobs were your jobs, or do you have any more? 
Those were the three, yeah. I was still working the um, the dog walking job, and I probably would have kept working it. Um, but I was I decided to move to Urbana, Illinois, down here. Yeah, down uh, here. So where where is Urbana? Down here, yeah. Uh, well, it's about an hour and a half, uh, maybe two hours south of Chicago. Okay. Um, and it's a city. It's a college town. Mm-hmm. The University of Illinois is here. Um, the one that uh, Hal in um, 2001 A Space Odyssey says that he was uh, constructed in Urbana, Illinois. Okay. Maybe Champaign, Illinois. It's a, it's a twin city, Champaign. Oh, okay, okay. So that's that's the university, you know, it's a big, big deal university. Um, and it's it's interesting over here, and it, it strikes me as really different from New York, where, like, you, you, okay, here's a city, and you go around, and it feels like a city. Uh, it's, it's actually a pretty beautiful city in terms of there's a lot of trees, old trees that are have been not uh, messed with so much. So that's nice. Yeah. Like, as soon as you start to go out of town, it's just cornfield. Like, yeah, right that's, away. that's what I was going to say. Like, that, that land is, like, flat. That's the most, like flattest land in the country, isn't it? Yeah. There's some hillier places in Illinois, but that is not where I am. I'm flatland. <clears throat> like, no Illinois and Indiana, they both just cornfields for miles and miles. Yeah, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Yep. Yeah, I I driven through it. That's that's all I know. But I I just uh, that reminds me. That's what I was gonna say. It must have been that area. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. So you must be well. Okay. Yeah. So um, so then so that was two years after. So that probably you. So you've probably been in Urbana for what now? Two years. Um. Two or three. Let's see. Uh, three. Yeah. Wait. Eight. Five. Five years. Has it been that long? Wow. I've been out of uh, New York for, for eight years. Yeah. So eight, eight years since college? Wait, no. Eight years since college, so seven years. So two plus five, yeah. Seven. Seven. Yeah. <laughs> we're, getting, we're getting the numbers down. Yeah, I, so, I, I, I'm not even thinking about that. But, but yeah, yeah, back to the numbers. Yeah, so... um. So, okay, Urbana. So, so you moved down there. Did you, did you tell me why? No, I didn't tell you why. But I can if you like. Yes, please. I, I moved down here to be involved with the School for Designing a Society. Uh, I, now, this is something I heard about. Uh, every once in a while, Dan and Chris would say something about this. <laughs> yeah, okay. I'm sure they know all about it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> I'd love to uh, hear it. That's um, Yeah, that's what brought me down here. Um, so, well, actually, I should, I'm going to have to back up and tell, talk about microtonality a little bit. Oh, I, I, yep. So, yeah, so I was in, um, back in Potsdam with you guys, and also when I was a student teaching other places in New York, I was getting interested in alternative tuning systems. Oh, yeah, I I was, I was, uh, I, I had a time with you doing stuff like that. I, I, I loved it. Cool. Yeah, I remember I was, uh, you know, getting... Yeah, getting other people interested somewhat. Yeah, I mean, well, mic- microtuning for like you know anyone that doesn't know like like that's um, it's like you know you got twelve twelve note possible notes in our our uh, our natural tuning of of Western harmony uh, or Western theory, uh, but but generally, I mean that there's basically it's you know from from one note to the next or or in the octave between the one note and, and with, by the time it repeats again i mean you basically got a million possibilities of what you could put numbers of notes in between and so you know uh the sky's the limit and so microtonal music you know uh 
uh, exploits that and 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 you know so you could like divide the octave into 12 but you could divide the octave into 17 which i think is like indian scales and you could divide it into 40 who, who knows whatever you want to divide it into yeah 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 that's right and it doesn't have to be equal divisions nope uh, have to be an octave there are non-octave scales that don't repeat the octave yeah um yeah it's uh i mean it's kind of like Here's the metaphor that I like is that, um, you know, it's like every painter everywhere in all of our culture, every painter we've ever seen has painted with these, this 12-color canvas. Yep. Um, there's 12 standard colors, and we're told that every other color is a wrong color that you're not supposed to use. <laughs> so we don't actually even see paintings that combine these colors or have some other kind of color or something yep. else. Um, and so we're just, I mean, you can imagine seeing something for the first time that, uses different colors that all your life you've been told are wrong, you might think, what the hell is that? That's yeah. not a painting. Yeah. Um, and you might be like, wow, that's really beautiful. I had no idea that was possible. So we're kind of working in that realm in, in um, pitch, musical pitch. Yep. Yep. People learn um, whether or not you're trained, you learn about in tune and out of tune. Um, and so we're all, we all have a certain sensitivity, I think, unless you're tone deaf, to... Um, the tuning of our culture. Yep. And so a long time ago, I was, I was interested, you know, back in college and uh, exploring this. And it wasn't, I kind of stopped for a while. Um, I was working on Nodal Mim. Yep. The mandolin song project. Yeah. Uh, I like Nodal Mim too. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. I was, I was, a, I was a fan. I was a fan of like, uh, Nodal Nim, the thing I remember the most about that is just like, it's just about less about being hung, hung up about, uh, hung up about making something perfect, trying to make something like, uh, you know, um, flawless and just more about being creative, making something and then letting it go, you know, like making just, just, just working, not work, worrying about perfection, just, just, just creation and i what it made it me feel like was like a child and and like a you know like working or playing at play it felt like play you know instead of feeling like crafting cool you know what i mean do you agree well i don't know what it's like to be at a nodal limb concert except as nodal limb <laughs> um, yeah but it's cool to hear that you know uh, and i've heard a few other people say things like you know, it's just liquid happiness to be there. Um, yeah. Child listening to what was going on. Um, cool. Yeah, that was a lot of fun for me, and, and I know that people enjoyed it. Um, and I guess in a way it was kind of a journal, or there was a journalistic um, aspect to it where it was like, I just need to make music, and it doesn't matter if it's good. This is kind of like getting over this, this um, block that so many creative people have. Of, I need to make that. Exactly. That's exactly what I was thinking. You know, just the blocks, the blocks are usually created by you just hovering over something over and over again because you're trying to make it right. You know, you're like, no, this ain't right. I got to do it again. And really, it's just more just like, just, just, you know, it's like working a muscle, you know, you just got to keep doing it and doing it and doing it. And then it, it might start. You know, I mean, it's a, it's a freedom. It, yeah, it, it, yeah, breaks the block. Exactly what you're saying. Yeah. I mean, and, and I, I've, I've applied that myself when I've had creative moments and it's, it's, it's a wonderful time. I think that's half of why I, um, in the long run, I've kind of have more fun with improvisation because in a sense that's almost similar to, it's like a, um, like a mandala, 
you know, mandalas. Just just creating something and then it's gone. Ah, I see. Yeah. yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Just no no investment in trying to 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 um you know, to put any like like you're not trying to change the world, you're just trying to 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 just create something and not be hung up about it and just, just be there for, I I don't know. It's more about the creation, less about the uh being being hung up about trying to, to be perfect. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But all in all, it makes me think of, of just creativ- creativity. I think it's like ch- children have um, wonderful creativity because they're, they're, not, they're not being told what's right and wrong. Or they, they don't have a concept of what's right and wrong yet. Yeah. You know? And so, much, so much of that is arbitrary, you know, cultural decisions about quality that, you know, might, you, you might be able to bypass them. Um, yeah. You still have to learn them in order to bypass them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, learn them intuitively. I mean, I think it's partly connected to this intuitive understanding of, um, of what's going on musically. Yep, yep. And I think those are some lessons that I need to learn again. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's easy. I mean, it's it's very hard because you know, um, it's it's easy to get hung up about things like the audience, you know, and stuff like that, you know, and trying to please people. Or, or just culture itself, you know, trying to please society. Nowadays, I have this particular sort of problem that's that's not a problem for a lot of musicians, which is that I'm working in tuning systems that are. First of all, I can't collaborate with other people very easily with these systems because I'm. At, I need to ask them to rewire their brains in order to work with it. Yeah, exactly. Although, I mean, someone working really intuitively can can kind of go with it, but. Yeah, I remember I I I would play. We had some fun sessions. Uh, I sh- I should um, post those up again. But me me and you did. Um, uh, did we call it Hypercube? The name. Oh of it? yeah. Yeah, and uh, we had a few sessions where we just you a lot. I think you were playing the 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 um, keyboard with some microtonic tonal scales, and then I would just like listen and then just play random stuff without thinking of any chords or scales or anything just just play what sounded right to me you know and i remember you liked that you were you were enjoying that because like you know it's not easy to be that free yeah i'd love to hear that stuff again yeah i I, i'll post that up again and then of course we had penelope (laughs) penelope is that what that song was i think so or or i think so penelope the only one who needs stars <laughs> in her oxygen. Ah, <laughs> oh, all right. You remember I was that? I still remembered uh, because I didn't. Have oh, yeah. oh yeah. I remember there being a song, and I remember playing it. Uh, we forgot to tell you what not to buy. Uh, um, we forgot to tell you what not to buy. Uh, shoot, I forgot what else you said. That was like your little bridge. Um. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it was cute. Cool. Um yeah, yeah, and and so that that's that's the other thing. I mean, you were talking about that. I um it's going to be hard to do that. I mean, I I was listening to your album and um the the one I mean, what what did you call that again? Um New Beams maybe? New Beams. Yeah, New Beams and and you you were you're going under Andrew Heathwaite for that, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that was definitely microtonal and a lot of it's instrumental. 
And, um, yeah. Um, I, I, you know, I could imagine, but, but what I've noticed is that you must be getting some more, uh, better synths, um, because some of those sounds I was hearing are really cool, um, uh, that you can apply to your microtonal tunings, but generally it tends to be an electronic medium. Um, yeah, well that album certainly is like, is electronic or not not i didn't suggest but but i mean like it's a lot easier doing electronically because you can just set it up you know you don't have to do any tuning um yeah yeah there's uh definitely i mean the the voice the voice is uh, has has the ability to do that and i like when you jump in with your voice and like i hear some of those microtonal sounds with your voice because i'm like yeah you know and that's that was like what i came to okay so the voice uh, electronic instruments. So what else, I mean, w- with your experience, what else, like what, how far have you gone in anything else to make m- microtonal music? Yeah. Well, uh, but, you know, there've been different projects over the years. One of the, I mean, so there was the, the old keyboard and I didn't ever have good sounds on that. You were saying, you know, the sounds on the new beams album are a lot better. Um, yeah. It, you know, I invested uh, a couple, I guess, going on a couple of years ago, in uh, in some stuff to to have a electronic recording setup, I guess. Um, but right, the first thing actually was that I found this instrument called a chumush, which is a Turkish um, instrument. It's a folk instrument that has um, six courses Cor- of double. Say that again. Six courses double, of double what? Double strings. Okay. So like a 12-string guitar, except there's no octaves on the chumbush. They're all unisons. Um, but, it's, I mean, it's like the mandolin. It has the... Um, okay, so just doubling. Yeah, it has the, do- the doubled string sound. And um, so um, the body is like a banjo. Anyway, but it was fretless. Fretless, so. yeah, yeah. Now, now I was just thinking of that. It must be fretless. That, that's another way to do it. Yeah, um, yeah. And so I had... Explored a lot of different equal divisions of the octave, and one that I really liked and wanted to focus on at that time. This is, I guess, in Chicago, and I was uh, found this instrument actually at a music store, um, and it was like three hundred bucks, which is cheap for an instrument. Yep. Of course. Yeah. And uh, right, so I was interested in seventeen equal divisions of the octave. That's a scale that I'd, I'd um, had good experiences with. Yeah. On the synthesizer. Uh huh. I taught myself the positions for that. Um, for initially, I, I had tape um, for where the frets would be, and I yeah, I was going to say maybe uh, I was wondering if you used tape. Yeah, um, that's what I did initially, and then I I wrote some songs that way, and then I took the tape off and was able to still play them. Yeah. things like you really had reor- reoriented yourself. Was it a long? Um, was that particular instrument, did it have a long neck on it so that you could divide into 17 without too much, like, really, really close together notes? Um, yeah, it has a fairly long neck. Yeah. It has. Uh, and it, um, although the individual steps 17 aren't that much smaller than 12 X. Yeah, okay. Um, you can imagine a whole tone divided instead of into two parts into three parts. They're approximate, I guess that would be two-thirds. Tone. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I mean, especially near the bottom, it wouldn't make that much of a difference. Um, yeah, and I didn't really play up, up high too often. Yeah, I was more working in the, the open strings down down there, but yeah. And I wrote 
songs at the time and recorded for them. I never did a big project with that. Uh, I never like made an album or anything. Okay, so why? How does this have connections with you going to Urbana? Right there we go. Um, <laughs> back in you know when I was learning this stuff at Potsdam with you guys, yeah, uh, and when I was student teaching. The way to connect people about this stuff was to go online and forums, um, mm -hmm. and email lists and that kind of thing. So you kind of get to meet people, sort of, who are interested in this stuff, yeah. and you know find out who's who and what they're doing. And one of these people who I had had, I guess, a few exchanges with, um, called me out of the blue while I was in Chicago and said, "Hey, it's Jacob Barton." Okay. Uh, and I was, "Okay, I know who you are." <laughs> <laughs> Um, he's like, you know, I'm coming through Chicago and on my way down to Urbana, Illinois, and uh, you know, wondering if you had a couch for me to crash on. Okay. Um, you know, I was like, great, okay, cool. And so at, the, at that point, I wasn't really doing anything microtonal. I was just working on the. This is actually before I'd, I'd gotten the Chumbush. I had, had just the mandolin was the only instrument I was playing. Uh huh. Uh huh. I had no ambitions about trying to microtonalize the mandolin. Yep. Or anything. I was kind of out of it. I was like, "Okay, cool, come on by." But you and never, you never left music. You, you were always having something you were doing. Yeah, um, I think at that point I'd done a lot of no limb, and I had a lot of recordings and old songs, and could just do them whenever. But I was also a little bored of it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he he came, and uh, you know, we talked about a lot of things, and this is, you know, I didn't know much about him, but he knew a little bit more about me from my blog that I'd been keeping back then, and. Uh, Turns out we had a lot of other interests in common, like particularly language um, experiments and stuff. Yeah. So, um, like I think sometime around then I was getting in interested in E prime, which is without using any forms of the verb to be. Wait, say that one more time. <laughs> it's kind of a tangent, but um, it, it, there's this idea that you can speak English without using any forms of to be. So you don't say is or are or was or will be, or any of that stuff. Okay. To be. You have to find other ways to, to talk about things. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, and so instead of saying you're you're ugly, you say I find you ugly, or something <laughs> like that. So the idea is that it uh, forces the speaker to take more ownership of their language and to avoid these kind of absolute states. Sure. Yeah, yeah, and and actually, it probably would um, increase your vocabulary use, right? <laughs> I yeah, I could see it doing that. Or or um, actually, it might even do the opposite. It might lower it. <laughs> well, yeah, you need workarounds, so you you wind up using that are awkward, you know, that, that you might not otherwise use. Well, and I guess if you get in the habit of doing it through your whole life. People would just think, okay, that person sucks. Okay, so so I, I I can get this as as like an exercise. Okay, so so um so so basically this was something that got you connected with this person. So 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 you in the end you felt really connected with this person and you were ready to go with them somewhere. <laughs> That's a good way of putting it. Well, I I was excited about meeting him and yeah, I was finding out about the school he was going to in Urbana, which was the school for designing a society. He was like, this is an interesting school. You might like to know about it. Um, and he invited me to do a concert in Urbana. Oh, wow. And so, but this was a little while after when I'd, I'd been inspired by meeting him. I'd gotten the tumbush and started writing songs. And I had a short set. And he invited me to 
come to Urbana. And, and it was a house concert. So was, he lived in this co-op house um, called La Casa. Mm-hmm. And he was doing a house concert. And there were different people doing performances. And uh, I was on the set, you know. So there's like couches and chairs and food. And you sit down and you watch a concert. Um, and so I got to play a couple of songs. And, you know, to an audience where if I say, okay, these are all microphones. Tuned, like people nod, like okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. They haven't done that. You, m- you must have uh, loved that. Yeah, yeah. It was cool. I mean, it was cool meeting Jacob just to be like, okay, wow, we have some of the same vocabulary words that no one else has. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, <laughs> like, you know, and I've, I'm hearing these words spoken out loud by someone other than me. Yeah. For the and and then you know and then anyone else you tell it to like they don't get it and then you have to explain it to them and then you're just I'm bored you know like imagine uh, I I just know how many how many situations I've been just even talking about music in general you know where I've had I've had points where I just bore people yeah yeah you know it's either people are going to be interested or they're not yeah. and most of the time I don't just bring it up with people yeah. it's fun though to you know to to try and talk about this with someone just cold someone I meet at a park with my toddler to be like oh yeah microchannality and they're like wow what is that well, tell me more about it and then you know do the color well, metaphor thing and attempt to blow their mind yeah yeah I I I, I enjoy it too um I, I... Um, so I, I, I don't know how, how are you doing with time? Are you, are you limited at all? Um, I don't think so. Time is it anyway? Uh, Good. I don't think I'm in any rush here. Great. Great. I, cause I, I want to keep going. So, um, uh, yeah. Okay. So, so, um, so what, what's, I mean, how, how long did it take between meeting this guy and, and you were, you were, you were leaving? Were, were you still with Tiffany at that point? Yeah. Um, although I think our relationship was becoming less of a relationship um, without us really doing anything about it. And, um, and and I went, and you explained this place as a school. I mean, was it a school you paid to go to or was it like, uh, different since it was a community or a society building? What, what did you say? It was society building, a school for designing a society, designing society. Yeah. So yeah, it's a school and it's a community. Um, and there's, there's certain organizers, We've been doing it for many years, and there's younger organizers now. Um, and it pops up doing different things at different times. So what when I went to visit Urbana, it was in between semesters, so I couldn't sit in a class or anything. Mm-hmm. But um, a lot of the people who were there performing were uh, involved with the school. And there were some really great performances that were really smart in a way that Nodelman wasn't. <laughs> um, or, you know, that I hadn't really thought about making music of that of that kind it was inspiring not just music but other kinds of performances that were kind of um like pointing. like expanding into things besides music like like visual performance arts um kind of in, into political language i don't know political language does that mean um okay it's hard to remember exactly what happened but i remember there was some theater that was interesting I don't know. So, so basically, but basically, it sounds like it was really inspiring. Yeah, it was inspiring, um, for sure. Yeah, smart, like like people people experimenting, trying to figure out things, being smart, like uh, not doing the the humdrum thing that that's people pleasing, but but more just challenging your your brain and challenging what what you believe is to be right and wrong, you know, or what you believe something to be. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, was, that's what it sounds like to me. Yeah, yeah. 
I would say that. It was definitely turning me on in ways that music usually doesn't. Yeah. Performing, you know, and, and I liked that. Um, so I, And I did my songs, and the lyrics at, at that point were even more ambiguous and weird, I think, than Notre Dame usually was, because they were based on this highly constrained poetic form that I was working in. Um, yeah, you remember when we were doing um, Matrixes? Ah, yeah, Matrix. Uh, what were they called? Poem, Matrix poems. Yeah, Matrix poems. Yeah. Yeah, those are fun. I um, I can't remember how that worked, but we, I think we had to use up all the words. But the combinations were something kind of pattern like. Yeah, it was like you set up a table of words, and then you had to uh, do a poem by moving around like I, you would on a board or something like that. Yeah, I think I I made a um. Uh, uh, you know, like a modern, modern uh, music piece. You know, like like a John Cage uh, type piece um, using a, a matrix. Cool. Yeah, it's been a long time, yeah. but but yeah, you you helped me with that, and Michael Winkler, and um, maybe one other person. I don't know, but that that was fun. Yeah. And that reminds okay. you that I mean, just something that that you know, if anyone listening it without the like key to understanding what you're even doing would have no idea what you're talking about. Oh, well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess you could get a performance out of that, that, um, I mean, ideally you wouldn't want it to be necessary for someone to be looking at the matrix or something like that, but yeah. Well, I mean, half the time, like uh, Chris brought it up and I brought it up like last time was that, you know, half the time I'm not even listening to lyrics anyways. I like, I'm a music kind of focused person. Oh yeah. When I when I'm a music listener. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. Um, okay, I so mean, I've been in so, language outside of. Uh, oh, go on. Yeah. So so what 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 made you plunge? What what uh, did you did you once you did that concert? Did you decide to go? Well, yeah, something like that. I I met one of the teachers at the school. Although I didn't know who she was exactly. Uh-huh. An older lady who was brightly dressed and paying very close attention to everything, and she came up af- afterwards and asked me why I was doing um, uh, exactly how she put it. But she was asking why why I was doing I, why I had rock and um, in what I was doing because she thought it was so interesting. But that part of it really took away from it to her. Um, she's like, "Are you are you trying to get ladies, or what's the deal with that?" Um, <laughs> <laughs> and no, you know, you you kind of live in this bubble of like, well, yeah, everyone thinks that rock music is cool, and that you you know you should you should rock and use those rhythms, you know. But to have someone say, well, why are you choosing to to do this type of of you know structural? Um, why are you making this structural choice? That for me it was almost not even a choice. It was like just fun. I want to make music that's fun, and this is what fun music sounds like to me. Yeah. Um, it's just like, oh man. So trying to answer that, like, no, I'm not trying to get women. I'm interested in the form and that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's like, no one had ever asked me that. Yeah. Um, and the fact and that she's talent. she's tuned that way, like, probably was really appealing to you. Um, there was tuned that way. That she was tuned that way, in tuned like like she was she was conscious of something that you weren't even thinking about, like the fact that this community had this sort of consciousness. Uh, yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, just like, you know, people, you know, when people say your music is cool or something or they enjoyed it, you, I mean, I like that. Who doesn't? But to have someone respond 
in that way. It's unusual and really adds a lot of kind of information to my life. Like, yeah, and oh. de- depth to to the, whatever your goal might be, but it, like depth to like like your journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So okay, so 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 um uh so she probably inspired you in some way. Uh, so so okay, keep going. Yeah. So I had my friend Jacob, who I mentioned, um, who was living in Urbana and involved with school. I had this new person I met, Susan, who was a teacher. And yeah. um, there was a semester coming up, and Susan emailed me and said, "You know, we were, uh, you had because I when I would talk to her, I had said, you know, well, I walk around Chicago with dogs." Um, and I think, well, I really need to be having more interesting conversations. I'm developing a kind of understanding of the world that it requires conversation. And, um, you know, I live in contradiction with my society and my culture. I don't think I said that. <laughs> that sounds a lot nicer than what I might have said. But Yeah, I'm sure. Um, but I'm sure that's that was, what you had, you know, thinking back. And that's probably what you ultimately were trying to say. That was on my plate, this, this, this contradiction, I think. Um, yeah. And just like I need to be with my people, it's like I'd never been with my people. Uh, <laughs> you were going I was. home. Yeah, maybe something like that. <laughs> um, <laughs> so she, yeah, she told me that this semester's coming up. Would you like to attend? And I was like, well, Urbana's a ways away, and I have these family commitments because it was Tiffany and also her son. Um, and there was money, like I was helping to the rent on the apartment and, and all this stuff. But our relationship wasn't as meaningful as it was anymore. And, um, and I didn't have the kind of creative life that I wanted to have living in Chicago. Um, and so Tiffany said, you know, you're not, you're not happy here. You should go do it. And so I did. I moved down to Urbana in 2008. I'll tell you that. Number August 2008 is when I moved down here. And so I've been here for, I guess, five and a half years or something. Wow. And yeah. at first I moved to the house that I performed in, um, which was the collective house that my friend Jacob had been living in. And so mm-hmm. we actually lived down the hall from each other, which was nice. Okay. So, so you, um, so, so like I was saying, like, uh, so, so it must've been a school you pay to go to, right? Must've been what? A school you pay to go to. Oh Yeah. Yeah, I mean, was it like a college type rates or anything? Uh, I mean, it's it was way cheaper than a college would be. Um, but there right. was. Hold, hold on, just a second. I got, I got to talk to my wife really quick. Sure, Andrew. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um. So, Andrew. Yeah. All right. Um. I probably got about uh, fifteen more minutes. <laughs> okay. Cool. Okay. So I'm I'm gonna go a little bit fast track right now. Yeah. Okay, so I, I had a baby. No, so you, no, no. yeah, you had a baby. Um, so so you, I, I mean, who? So you phone. you you got married. Uh, right. Well, that's not really the next step, but yeah, yeah. So so you yeah. got to the school, and I got to the school, and I did a bunch of stuff with other people, and it was really inspiring, and I had a lot of fun, and um, yeah, and so uh, on, and I. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Totally. Totally. I mean, I, that's. It sounds awesome. I mean, how how many? I mean, is it like a continuous thing? Like, can you? Uh, uh, was it? It probably was. Was it a heavy course load, or did were you able to work and do it at the same time? I mean, what sort of thing was going on? Um. I mean, I I worked and did it, and. Um, Are you still doing it? Well, you know, I did a semester then, and uh, if I tried to remember, I could. 
it would take a minute to tell you all the other things that I've done, but I did uh, some other semesters, and I did a summer school. They have a summer school in West Virginia at the Gesundheit Institute, which is there. Wow. Um, and so I did it, I think, one summer there, and was kind of a semi-teacher, and then I was a, um, I taught, co-taught with my friend Jacob for class, really the microtonality, which was, um, well, I mean, it was, it was called Microtonal Design, and it was a school for designing a society class, so that was nice. Cool. Um, and uh, so I was, I was pretty heavily involved for a while, um, and yeah, but it was one of the things that, you know, I had decided I had to step back from after Luca was born. But it's still here in town, so it's it's likely that I'll reconnect. Yeah, totally. Um, and so... To get performances and stuff. Did, so did you find love through this school? No, I found love through OkCupid. Okay <laughs> Twice. Twice, actually. Twice. <laughs> yeah, the first one didn't stick. You know how it goes. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> but, yeah, no, that's definitely, you know, if anyone listening to this needs to be recommended a dating site, OkCupid okay, is amazing. Yeah. Uh, you hear that, Dan? <laughs> I'm not saying any names. But I have no idea what's going on with these guys, actually. Um, uh, I don't with, even know if this other than Dan and Chris and Scott. But. Yeah, um, yeah, I, uh, I mean, it's mostly them, maybe a, a few other people connected to that, like, like Mike Winkler and, um, oh, yeah. Um, uh, a few friends of mine, um, and, and my family sometimes it depends cool. on the guests. You know, I, I think I kind of, I, in a sense, I feel like I'm building a community through the people I interview, um, on this and it's kind of nice. I just interviewed everybody in my kind of closer circles or circles related to people that listen, like, like, especially Dan and Chris and Scott, um, it's been really fun. You know, we, we've all created these podcasts together and it's like, it feels like we're, we're all communicating again. You know, we're all close and cool. yeah. And, and so, and so it just was so logical. I had to reach out to you. I mean, I mean, you're, you're, uh, a, a very, you know, uh, a very memorable, very inspiring friend that I had in my past, you know, and I, I, and um and also obviously to to the three I mentioned as well, um yeah. you know lots of fun. Uh, I mean always always you know I mean you could always depend on you to be walking around with the purple pants and and you know doing something different and fun. And uh, I I I just you know and I I just I I couldn't wait to to catch up. I I I felt almost guilty I haven't talked to you so long. Yeah, well, no worries. I appreciate very much being uh, asked to talk with you. It's nice to catch up, you know. Yeah, so so you ended up having a child. Uh, I mean, I mean, so so you met your your um, honey on on uh, uh, was it Ask Cupid? Okay, Cupid. Okay, Cupid. And um, yeah. So so um, maybe I feel like I, I'm not doing it justice enough. But I mean, like a little bit. You could tell me a little bit of what happened. Did she she was she around that area or did she move to you? She was in Springfield, Illinois, which is about an hour and a half west of here. Okay. Um, and but we were chatting, uh, or we were sending, you know, emails back and forth. And she is a writer. She is a writer, and so some good emails. And I guess at that point in my life, I was um, ready to be intimate with people in different ways than I had before. I guess. And, um, yeah. Oh yeah, I get that. It's like putting a lot of trust in this person. Like, yeah, here's what I think about, you know, this part of the world. 
and this part of my experience is in it. Um, so that was nice, and I invited her to, you know, you can't just go out to, uh, you know, coffee or something when someone's that far away, so I invited her to come and stay the night and, you know, sleep separately and, and whatever, and that we would, um, you know, go for a walk and have some food and stuff. Uh, and she came to Urbana, and at the time I was living at this clubhouse, so um, she met my friends who were there and probably met Jacob and people like that, and uh, we went for a walk and talked and talked and talked and those kinds of things, and one thing led to another. Um, yeah, it was an intense uh, relationship that that uh, quickly... Bloomed, um, huh? Yeah, bloomed, blossomed, sure. Um, yeah. yeah, and uh, so she has a daughter who's now third, but I guess at the time was nine or ten, and um, they moved here. Um, wow. Yeah, and it, it was a big deal, I guess. The move. I think what maybe had happened first was that um, she had gotten pregnant, um, but it turned out to be an ectopic pregnancy, um, Ex- which means okay, ectopic. Ectopic. Um, so that means that the um, the fertilized egg is implanted in the wrong place. So not in the uterus, but somewhere else. And usually it's the fallopian tube. In this case, I think it was actually in her ovary. Oh, life, so it didn't attach or whatever? Um, well, it's just in the wrong... I think it attaches in the wrong place, so it actually is attached. Yeah. But you can't bring a baby to term in, the, in your ovary, so... Oh. So that... that, uh, so, that so what happened? Well, um, you have to have an abortion at that point uh, uh-huh. right away with the life of the mother. So that's what happened. Okay. And she was still living in Springfield, and I was in Urbana, and that would be hard to be happening while I wasn't there. But she had a, a good net, network of friends there to help her. Um, but uh, So we were planning when we thought we were having a baby for her to move to Urbana, and we decided, well, let's, let's have that happen anyway. Yeah, um, yeah, totally. So I think um, I think Carrie is under the impression that that's her name. That it was nine months after our ectopic pregnancy that that didn't turn into a person that she got pregnant again. And this, by the way, was not our trying to have the baby, but it was. Um, in fact, she had attempted to have a baby some years ago with her uh, first husband. And they never could, um, and for, you know, ambiguous reasons. But, you know, it was thought that maybe she wouldn't be able to ever, so she wasn't expected to. So it was yeah. kind of a, a surprise that it was possible, and, yeah. you know, it was a dream that she didn't think come true. And for me, it was like, well, uh, I'm, not, I'm not planning for this to happen, and it's not my first choice. But uh, if Carrie is going to have this baby, um, I want to be in its life, and I want to be in her life. Yeah. So, uh, so. so I mean, um, what's been fatherhood to you? Like, what has it been like? Uh, you know, it's really difficult. It's um, yeah. definitely changes, changes your life and your personality and... Yeah, I was uh, telling someone right. that, like, you know, I mean, not not in a mean way, but it's just like after you have children, it's like you like, oh, I get it now, you know, kind of like <laughs> realization, and and it's almost like you look at other people that haven't had children, and it's not like in a mean way, but it's almost like you just don't get it, you don't really understand, you never yeah. will understand. Yeah, 
yeah, and I can look at myself too, you know, and say like I didn't know what it what it was to yeah. to be. A- I mean, I and, and and there's so many like I've made judgments. I used to think I knew, but I didn't know. Yeah, I feel like there's a big divide in our culture between the people with kids and the people without. Like, I mean, I guess it's not everywhere. It depends what you're doing and what you're interested in. But you know, I hadn't had experiences with kids. Like, I didn't have brothers and sisters who reproduced or anything like that. And if you don't have that, then you know you might not. Like, I didn't ever maybe tell the baby. Maybe I had, but. <laughs> You know, this, I just think, like, previous times in human history, not holding a baby is not, you know, no one would have not held a baby. Yeah, 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 totally. I mean, and I, I held plenty of babies being being in my family, but um, I, yeah, yeah. I must, uh, I mean... Just the, I mean, so have you, are you, I mean, you must be loving it. I, I'm loving it. You know, I mean, I mean, it's hard. Yes. I mean, it's so hard, especially now I got the, the toddler and, and the baby, but, um, I mean, it's just like, like so many times waking up early or, or not getting enough sleep, sleep deprivation, you know, the, the sort of stresses of not being able to leave home, like all the sort of extra planning and everything. It's hard. But yeah. then, then again, the positives of just like, like being able to be there with per- persons experiencing life through their eyes, you know, um, just, just yeah. how beautiful they are and how fun it is to see them say things or do things grow and everything. Totally. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I feel like I'm learning a lot about learning. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe it'll help me be wiser about my own learning. Exactly. And, and you get to be in that particular position in life. They get their, it's their turn to be the baby. You had your chance to be the baby and now you're, it's your turn to be the, the guide. You're the, yeah. you're the shepherd. Huh. Yeah. It's your role now. And, and, and it's, it's just as much of like, you know, you weren't necessarily asking for that role, you know, just as the baby didn't ask to be a baby, but it's just how, where you are right now. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's like a part of myself that's kind of externalized, you know, not the way that like my mandolin would have been a part of myself, yeah. but in a different way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, I mean... Like, um, what do you do for money? Uh, well, we, we're still figuring out what we're going to do next for money. Right now, Carrie works from home um, for a company uh, that does phone interviews with um, medical uh, imaging specialists at hospitals, okay. uh, which is not very pleasant work. I um, can imagine. <laughs> it's currently paying the bills. Uh, the last job I had before this was grading standardized tests, um, <laughs> which is a different kind of unpleasant. <laughs> yep. Um, and so we're, we want to get to where we're both working part-time. I mean, she's actually working part-time, not full-time, but she's working a lot, mm. given all the other work that we do. Yeah. The unpaid, the family work that's unpaid. Yep, um, yep, the um, domestic servant. Right. Um, Servitude. So I'm actually the stay-at-home dad right now. I'm not working. I'm spending my days with Luca. Um, yeah. So, so um, that's interesting. You know, I've always kind of imagined what it'd be like to be a stay-at-home dad. There's like part of me that would love it, but I'm I'm sure. You know, I have no idea. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure it's different for everyone. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm sure a lot depends on who you're who you're hanging out with, who the kids are, like. You know, seeing Luke is changing has been really nice because 
lot harder. And people, you know, say it gets easier, and it's just hard to believe that for a while. Um, and I, you know, it'll probably get harder again. In some ways, there are difficulties now, and there weren't difficulties then. But yeah, it's harder in different ways. Yeah, but it's like recently I've been thinking. You know, a year ago, things were harder, and in ways that I was really it was really hard for me. <laughs> I mean, I guess hard, hard is hard. Uh, and I wouldn't trade it, you know. Yeah. And so that helps me feel a little better about how things are going now. Yeah. So, so yeah, I, it's just so interesting to see where you've, where you've become, you know, what, where you are. Um, so I don't know, I, I guess there's part of me that, I mean, I feel like I could open windows anywhere right now, but I also know that I got a, this is pretty much wrap up time and I feel like I just got started. Now I'm at the present with you. <laughs> we made it to the present. We made it to the present. <laughs> and if you're listening Check there could be a sequel. Yeah, and I I would love to to um, do another one, uh, but I I I enjoy that, and I, I maybe maybe we can just talk about something for a few seconds. So so now being at the present, maybe we can kind of like like kind of I don't know maybe uh, relate a little bit. I'm I'm currently. Um, you know, making ends meet or whatever. I'm, I'm farming. I'm living on the, on the farm. Uh, it's a pretty good situation if it weren't for the job, you know, <laughs> I think that's pretty much the case for anybody. Right. What do you mean? I, I mean, like, like, it, you know, <laughs> money's nice, but the job sucks. I mean, like, oh, I, I can't think of any job. I mean, you jumping from wherever you've been, you know, like, I mean, the jobs are always so tough, you know, and it's always such so much of a struggle. Oh, everyone's doing something they don't want to do in life. And um, yeah. I was talking about this a lot. The theme that seems to be coming up is kind of the idea of pain. And pain comes in lots of form, but pain is always existent in life. And the more that we try to avoid pain, the less we grow and the less we're really solving things. And it's a hard thing to kind of accept, but I mean... that. <sighs> It, it it's kind of kind of a battle you know there's part of me that feels like well you know i need to get find something better but then again there's another part of me that thinks well there's going to be something crappy about everything you do and really the yeah. only t- time you're going to get better is once you finally start accepting where you are yeah i'm i don't know i mean it's all it's all temporary whatever it is yeah you won't be farming when you're 89 <laughs> yeah, I that that is definitely true. But hopefully I'll be, you know, making the best out of where I'm at right now, you know. Yeah. Yeah, there's definitely always pain of some kind in the in the way we're living. Um I would imagine that's always been true. How could it not be? Yeah. I think that certain modern troubles that have been invented by uh the kind of society we've built. And <laughs> and I think everything that we try to build is under the the process of trying to you know lower pain. I mean, like like there's always this idealistic idea that like you know there could be a world where work can doesn't have to be anymore. You know, we we've got to figure that out. You know, everything's going to be taken care of, and we don't have to work anymore. And it's usually like that technology kind of ideal, like technology is going to save everything. But I mean, so far, it seems like all the technology does is is makes is just creates more stress, less community and uh you know more more problems. It seems that, I I don't know. It seems like the more efficient we get, the more work we end up doing. Yeah. 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, we live in a society where it's expected that everyone has a job. Yeah. And, you know, you, you you pat yourself on the back. Hey, I have a job. That guy doesn't have a job. What a jerk. You know, <laughs> yeah. and there's this pride in having a job. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there was no such thing as a job before there was such a thing as employers and capital. Uh, and, I, you know, the mechanism is is in place now to keep what we have churning along. But it's not going to be able to keep churning along because it's all based on unsustainable uh resource extraction that yeah. is going to hit a wall at some point. Yeah. But then again, hitting the wall is going to bring pain and what with pain is going to come change and with change is going to come hopefully growth. Yeah. I mean, there's part of me that wants me to wants us to hit the wall just so we can finally slap oh, yeah. slap the guys that aren't getting it, you know. I definitely am with you on that. It's like you know, it's like I would trade these troubles for some for those troubles. The troubles of like, okay, now zero percent employment, hooray! Yeah, <laughs> the whole economic system has crumbled. Yeah, and we are uh, planting our gardens. We're planting our gardens. Um, you know, I, I'm looking forward to that. I hope that, I hope to see that. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it might come sooner than we know. Um, but but either way, I guess in, in inspiration of hitting that wall, I I will um I'll end this podcast and uh in in hopes to to start another session soon because I feel like I haven't even scraped the surface with you and I feel like we need to do something creative together on this podcast too. Cool. Yeah. I um. So this is not the end, but only the beginning. Uh-huh. All right. All right, Andrew. Well, thanks. I, I I am so um uh you know just um appreciative that you you came to do this and um and and I feel like you know you've been very open and I I think it's it's you know it's funny like I I think there's part of it that I found like it, this this has all been kind of inspire, inspiring for most people that that do this because not many people are asked out to just have a you know talk about yourself you know. Yeah. Like, and I think it's nice. It's, it's, it's almost therapeutic in a way. And, and I just, you know, and I enjoy it very much and I enjoy the process and I hope everyone else out there, um, gets something out of it. And, and I feel like it's springboards and, and I, I, uh, just had a, a, the only second real, I mean, my wife's been in a few podcasts, but the only real second time I've have interviewed someone I think was with my sister and that was just last time. And it's fun because now I think that'd be fun to start bringing some people back a second time. And then, cause a lot of times it's kind of like this, you know, we're catching up, we're kind of getting, getting them base. And now I want to just be in the present with you. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, and talk more about changing the world and creating a new society. Cool. All right. Well, here, here to, to changing the world, I guess. Sweet. Yeah. And, um, you know, Hey to all the friends who are listening to this. I hope, yeah. Hey to all you guys and um hey. <laughs> this this will be up Sunday and um I uh I can't wait to see what people think and and um I can't wait to talk to you again. Cool. Well, thanks for bringing me back. All right. The family. <laughs> <laughs> What'd you say? Thanks for bringing me back into the family. Yeah, you <laughs> I, I you've never left the family. You've, it's just been a while. Right on. Right on. All right. Well, all right. See you later, Andrew, and thank you so much. You bet. Good night, and you're welcome. Good night. Bye-bye.